This podcast will contain spoilers for the Gerard Butler film, Plane. Hold on, hold on, guys. My fucking... <laughs> My fucking Google Home started playing yeah. music. I apologize. I, I heard. I heard. Sorry. Sorry about this. Yep. Just keep this in. Really annoying. Hold on. Let me. Okay, Google, stop. <laughs> Jesus. You gotta leave this in. It literally, it literally just started like playing. Like... You gotta leave this in. This is the way to start this <laughs> leave, episode leave it for in. sure. Leave it in. The AI has truly taken over. I, that's what I, happens I, any round, around those devices when you say the sequel to Plane. That's the that's the key I, phrase. I, I literally was like, "Okay, let's go," and then I think it heard, "Okay, uh, Google." You know, yes. Yeah. Um. Anyway, uh, let's start again. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Filmcast, a podcast about movies. I'm David Chen, and Magic Mike's Last Dance, more like Magic Mike's Last Pants. <laughs> wow. <laughs> How many seconds did that take to come My on? goodness. <laughs> like at least six. Uh, joining me today is Divinder Hardware. Finally, somebody brought Genuine's Pony to the London stage, where it belongs! <laughs> and Jeff Kanata. Hey, Valentina, tell your mama she should give me a call. Those are, of course, all vague and oblique references to the fact that today on the podcast, we're going to be reviewing Steven Soderbergh's newest film, Magic Mike's Last Dance. We got Jordan Cruciola here for the review. It's going to be a lot of fun, so stay tuned for that. Of course, before that, we got a little bit of uh, movie and TV news and some what we've been watching uh, you can find more episodes of this podcast at thefilmcast.com. Email us at slashfilmcast at gmail.com. Find us on YouTube, Instagram, and Twitter at the Filmcast Pod. Find us on TikTok at the Filmcast. We're posting videos every week. And uh, on Patreon at patreon.com slash filmpodcast. Next week, we're going to be covering Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon uh, after our main review. So it should be a lot of fun. Those are ways you can support and find us online at other places. Hey, Dave. What's up, Jeff Canato? Did you get the reference for my intro? <laughs> uh, I don't think so. I don't think so. I bet most of the people didn't. Do you want to explain it for? for I kind of do. If you know, you know. <laughs> yeah. But uh, like any good bit, it has to be explained. It has to be explained. I mean, it's yeah. not well, a yeah. good bit until it's explained. So. True. Yeah. That, exactly. Um, that is a song. I'm quoting a song that Prince wrote to Salma Hayek's daughter Valentina, mm. literally asking her to tell her mom to call him. <laughs> Mm. <laughs> mm. I mean, you got to shoot your shot, even if you're friends. <laughs> Actually, they were really good friends, he and uh, Salma yeah. Hayek, and they used to have like these two hour long phone conversations. Love it. And love he wrote it. a song to her baby daughter Would you get tired of running after you down the hall? It's an amazing song. And it's like this little personal thing that he wrote to Salma <laughs> Hayek. It's amazing. Mm. Wow. I, I, here's what I can't believe that you made fun of my intro segment. After that. <laughs> <laughs> I just highly recommend people seek out the song Valentina by Prince. Cause uh, it's a I banger. I know that song. Yeah. I have the banger. Yeah. Well, there's a couple things I want to talk about before we get to what we've been watching today. Okay. Uh, the first thing is as we're recording this, uh, the Super Bowl has 
uh, ended not that long ago. And Super Bowl is always a time for some fun football playing. I, I think that's what the sport is, right? That's what they call it, right? Football? Just um, real fun football just, playing. Just some, as, as the kids call it, some fun football for all. Um, but also some really interesting Super Bowl ads as well as movie trailers. And I did just want to acknowledge uh, one movie trailer that I thought was really interesting uh, and extremely spoilery. Uh, and it was for this movie called The Flash that's coming out later this year. Um, obviously, the star of that movie has been uh, embroiled in a number of legal issues that are very upsetting. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just too important to WB. <laughs> My understanding is that yeah. the trailer has revealed why this movie is still coming out. Yeah, I, yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, yes. Uh, so we are going. I'm going to reveal something that happens in the trailer. Um, so if you don't want to know what was in the trailer that was seen by millions of people yesterday during the Super Bowl, skip ahead by a few minutes. But uh, I I did watch at least part of the trailer, and uh, it it does have Ezra Miller starring as the Flash. It also has Ben Affleck as Batman. And it also has Michael Keaton as Batman, and that is yeah, it does. a huge deal in my opinion. Like, I just they they had him do the thing. They had him you know? do the thing. They had him wear the thing, and it's like I I feel sad to say my interest in this movie has increased since uh, that trailer yeah. debuted. Yeah. They so know exactly they're, what they're doing. Yeah. They're doing uh, they're doing the Spider Man. Uh, Spider Man, yeah, Spider Man, uh, No Way Home kind of. It's deal. a little. I mean, it's amazing. That they're pulling that <laughs> off, but like, would have been more amazing if they did it before Spider Man did it, right? I mean, it's amazing that DC has pulled its shit together enough to even do something like that. Is yes. what I would yeah. say. Um, but also, uh, I, you know, I, I will also say that No Way Home I thought did a much better job of keeping its har- uh, cards close to its vest. Oh yeah. yes, people knew that like um, the older Spider Man were going to be in that movie, but like, I don't think it was in the main or the certainly not the teaser trailer. It, it was or, never you know, like advertised, yeah, initially. Yeah, it was. It was, ne- it, it was never initially advertised. Now mm-hmm. it's part of the marketing, but like before, yeah. I don't like when I sat down to watch that movie, I did not know that those people were yes, going to be in Spider Man No Way Home. Whereas now WB is like, uh, please see this movie, <laughs> please, <laughs> for the love of God. Yeah, and and I have to say, as somebody who you know watched Michael Keaton's Batman in my youth, like mm-hmm. I. It, it it does something to me, you know. It he's pulls on the heart. Chin. He's still got the chin. He's still, he's still got, got the, the lips. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Yep. I've been I've been dreaming of a Batman Beyond movie where he gets to play old yes. Bruce Wayne. Yes. Um. I, I. You know. It seems like that's possible. I don't know how they're going to use him in this. I wish I didn't know this was happening. I wish mm-hmm. I could have avoided it. I didn't see the trailer, but I. Yeah. There, there are told. other people in this movie too, Jeff. Which I don't know if we'll talk. Okay. It is we'll, we'll a family about, affair. Yeah. But it sounds like they didn't get Clooney or Kilmer. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. So we'll we'll see. And by the way, just so people know, like I did check with Jeff if he had learned about the spoiler, you know, arguably spoiler in advance uh, before we just launched into it here on the podcast. So, um, but anyway, uh, yeah. So I, I I I get it. Like it's just like there's so many, what I would say, a- there's so many assets in this movie that it's like I understand why they didn't feel like they could give this thing up. Um, we'll see what happens. My hope is that there's yeah. very little flash. And all these Batmans. <laughs> uh, how about, yeah, a lot of Flash. That? Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Uh, well, anyway, hope hope people enjoyed the Super Bowl and all the trailers they're in. Um, but let's talk about some other news this week. Uh, according to Disney, the layoffs and the sequels will continue until morale improves. Um, <laughs> so during an investor call, uh, Bob Iger, newly installed, reinstalled CEO of Disney, 
uh, announced 7,000 layoffs, uh, which is pretty brutal. 7,000 employees across all divisions. Uh, but it also announced that there's going to be sequels to some of its classics. <laughs> Toy Story, Frozen, and Zootopia are movies that are going to be getting sequels. Um, and it's a very kind of, uh, fr- from obviously a terrible thing that they're doing, but from a PR perspective, like mm-hmm. it's just something to be aware of that they often pair these like yeah, yeah, sequel yeah. announcements, these big like IP announcements with terrible news like layoffs because then people will be talking about the sequels and not the layoffs. Layoffs yeah. are in fact really troubling. Obviously, Disney needs to find ways like other companies that, you know, tech companies especially, uh, to uh, to do cost savings. At least that's what they believe they need to do uh, for their shareholders. Uh, but it's very upsetting the way it's, in which it's going down. Um, I wanted to talk a little bit about the sequels too, because mm-hmm. it reminds me, oh, right. You know, like Bob Iger, great business person, not really a great pre- creative person in my opinion, right? Did, didn't we already know about the Zootopia sequel? I feel like that yeah, was talked that, about. That's been yeah. in, the, in the ether for a while, for sure. Yeah. But the one that's really shocking is Toy Story, right? Like, yeah. That movie, like Toy Story one and one was excellent. Two was arguably even better. Mm-hmm. Three was like a masterpiece. I, yeah. I, I mean, but it was like it was like um, you know, you're trying to like draw an inside straight. You're trying to shoot a three pointer from the half court. Like it's like okay, but they did it. You know, it's like oh wow, really hard to like wrap this thing up but you did it yeah. we got to have that one alive guys exactly yeah. but yeah. then at this point <laughs> by the time toy story 4 rolled around you're dealing you're on borrowed time for, no four mm-hmm. is outstanding it's welcome four, four is a fine mm-hmm. movie it's, it's fine it's, it's not bad it's not but bad, it's not you know? it's like oh you're following a masterpiece with this yeah and it's uh, like okay not a well, great idea know, yeah it's it's like it, it was fine it was not it was not bad it was good even but it's like we didn't the world didn't need any more toy story movies like also, doesn't uh, the, Woody literally ride off into the sunset at the end of that movie? Yeah, like that's never right. to be seen on screen again. I think I think that is, yeah. What what if what if they remake the first Toy Story? Because that movie just like movie, remaster, like make remaster, it better. Like actually re-render. Yeah, do, do like a Last of rough. Us, Last of Us Part One style like yeah. re-rendering of that's it. That would that would be actually really cool. Amazing. With all the same voice assets and everything. Yeah. That would, that would be, be amazing. Cool. But instead they're making Toy Story Five and I, I don't know. I don't know, guys. Like this, this fills me with a lot of trepidation because I'm just like, it, it, it's, it's, <laughs> yeah, you prepare remember, to you, be whelmed again. I, yeah. I'm old enough to remember a time when like um, Pixar making sequels was like an incredible rarity. You know, like yeah. uh, where they're basically like, yeah, we we don't do that many sequels because we believe in telling original stories. You know, and now it's like everything really has a Toy Story, Frozen, and Zootopia sequels. Like, uh, are, are like Tom Hanks and Tim Allen attached? Tim Allen did tweet in support of it, so I think he is probably going to be back. I don't know about Tom Hanks, but yeah, uh, who, who knows what even the story of it's going to be, you know? But um, I, I, this new this news was overall the, between the sequels and the layoffs, everything was an overall bummer. Um, mm-hmm. But I do believe that they will make a new Toy Story, and I do believe it will make a lot of money. Unfortunately, sure. Um, I mean, the, so. the Frozen sequel too. Like that's not too surprising. Like Frozen's a new thing, still has a lot of life in it. Zootopia for sure. Yeah, that also already has a sequel, right? Yeah, it's it already two. a Frozen. Yeah, two. there's already a Frozen this two. Would which, be a Frozen three. Yeah, I saw some chatter online about how if you watch, have, have any of you seen Frozen two by any chance? I've no. seen parts of it. Yeah, <laughs> um, but apparently, so. like that movie came together in such a haphazard fashion. Oh, it's a mess. There's yeah. like a documentary about it that shows like how rough it was. Like there's apparently like a scene where um what Kristen Bell's in that movie, right? Where she's like 
watching the movie for the first time, she's like, wait, I gave a performance thinking this was a completely different tone of movie, mm-hmm, you know? And mm-hmm. like, wow. uh, and, and so they're, they're basically like kind of assembling the movie as it went along. And, um, you know, assembling the story as they're making it. And that's really not a great way to make a, a an animated film, but yeah, I mean, uh, this is all just a reminder that Bob Iger's time at Disney was marked by amazing business decisions and mergers, like acquiring Lucasfilm and Pixar and, um, Marvel and also really upsetting and sad creative decisions. Like mm-hmm, let's mm-hmm. make a live action version of every single movie in the vault. Uh, most of which are intellectually bankrupt in my opinion. Yeah. I mean, um, I, I think we should have been tipped off when he was wearing the Darth Vader helmet during all these announcements. So. <laughs> Speaking of other sequel news, uh, there was a sequel announced for the movie plane <laughs> an, an announced very, uh, very recently a sequel to plane is going to be made. Uh, and I guess what I'm about to say is... I, I want Jeff to guess. How about yeah, that? What is what is the sequel title for playing, Jeff? I mean, I'm hoping it is... Uh, I hope it is self-aware and it knows that it's... You know, it should be called Another Plane or <laughs> or even, even Plane Sequel would be pretty great. All right, here's what I'm going to say. Here's what I'm going to say, Jeff. It is... Um, the, the name is Another Noun that does, is not plain. Oh really? It's a, it's a different noun. <laughs> Train. You're you are extremely close. Automobile. Keep going. Keep going. Keep going. Keep going. Keep going. Uh, airplane. No, I said I literally said it doesn't have plane in it. I know it'd be awesome if it was airplane. <laughs> other, may, vehicles, other vehicles. Other vehicles. Other vehicles. Clearly, already a movie called Airplane that I've very much enjoyed in my life. Yeah, you, uh, we, we've already got we've already got air. We've already got ground covered, Jeff. Oh, boat. Uh, close. close enough. Close enough. Ship. Ship. The name yes, of the sequel to Plane will be Ship. Now, <laughs> I have questions. Uh huh. Uh huh. <laughs> I mean, I ship this title, but mm-hmm. um, does uh, does Gerard Butler become a ship's captain? It's a mm-hmm. Mike Coulter movie. Well, apparently. yeah. Okay. So yeah. Yeah. My, it's a it's a Mike Coulter movie. He was in the first film. Uh, and he is going to be heading up the second film, according to oh, the guy he escapes yeah. in the. I mean, yeah. spoiler, uh, yeah. Ma- mainly to Thanks. set up the character for the sequel, Ship. That's why he's in the first movie. That's right? great. <laughs> that's great. I think that's great. That's the way you do a sequel to this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it would have been wild if uh, this was like a uh, what's a pearl situation where guys, we already got the sequel made. It's here. It stars Mike Coulter. It's called Ship. How amazing would it be if he meets another character in the course of Ship? And that character gets their own movie, mm-hmm. you know, called like, I don't know, so, Go-Kart. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Uh, what I'm, I'm think- saying like a daisy chain the leads. I like that. Mm-hmm. I think that's rad. What I think. Yeah, I agree. I agree with that. What, what I think is bold about ship as a title is it doesn't have the word plane anywhere in it. Like maybe they're going to say ship a plane story, you know, like. <laughs> story <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna be ship a plane mystery you know yeah, um, yeah. Uh, but but uh based on bold, the novel by sapphire based on the novel by sapphire, bold to not have plane in the title at all if that's gonna be um you know uh, uh, such is the power of the title plane yeah i think when you say ship you're like, oh, is that the sequel to Plane? Yeah, people. <laughs> You're so right, Devendra. You are so is. correct on that one. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, that must be the Plane sequel because it's called Ship. <laughs> it's so true. Oh, I love it. 
well, in other uh, sequels slash spinoff news, I, I did appreciate this story. So uh, Showtime made some announcements this week. Uh, now Showtime, by the way, is soon going to be re- like is its its content will soon be combined with Paramount Plus, uh, and you will soon be able to access them both on a service that I think is called Paramount Plus with Showtime. I think is mm-hmm. what it's called, mm-hmm. or Paramount Plus and Showtime rolls trippingly off the tongue. It's your newest FX on Hulu. You know, basically. Mm. Hey, combine those services. It makes my life easier. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Um, Jeff, uh, the <laughs> Showtime is developing as many as four TV series connected to the Billions franchise. Oh, okay? good. Do you want to guess what the name of two of those franchises are that have been identified? <laughs> Millions and thousands? Millions, bigger, bigger. Millions and trillions. <laughs> One on either are, side. Are really the one names on either of side. Fringe- yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I can't wait until zillions and quadrillions <laughs> also come out. You know, like those yeah. are going to be really I good. Think, I think you should get. I think tens would be pretty interesting. Like, <laughs> show me that show. But apparently, it's all, it's mi- all prequels, like leading up to billions. You know? Mill- millions is going to be like people who are like earlier on in their career who are just starting to make money. And <laughs> they're just sort is, of assholes. Yeah, trillions <laughs> is going to be like the ultra ultra wealthy, like the people for whom billionaires yeah, they shit on billionaires. Yeah, these exactly. trillionaires. Billionaires are shit to them. Exactly right. <laughs> they wipe exactly. their ass with a billionaire. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, just a lot of like uh, wild sequel news and mm-hmm. wild uh, sequel titles going on all around. But uh, if, just, if there's one thing Showtime knows how to do, it's how to run a show into the ground. Like every, <laughs> every time, every time. Oh, for sure, for sure, man. How'd that I, Dexter reboot go? Oof. Did, De- uh, did either of you guys watch well, Billions? Let, I let, let, let me just yeah. let me just let me just stop mm-hmm. you right there. Uh, Davindra, apparently it went well enough that they're making more Dexters. And I, think, I know. I, I, I actually know. think. I actually think that like uh, so, Dexter New Blood is the name of the sequel, the the spinoff. And I think that uh, you know, part of the reason that was created was to kind of salvage the name of Dexter, because Dexter mm-hmm. famously ended, um, uh, uh, famously ended very poorly. Yeah. And so they're like, hey, let's get another Dexter going in there because we gotta we gotta milk some more you know content out of for this sure, Dexter sure. franchise. And we can't I have do not it talked to ending. anybody who has liked that new season but mm-hmm. of course it gets enough viewers to like warm stuff like it, it, it is a perpetual shit cycle that's what mm-hmm. showtime is very good at yeah. my understanding dexter, is dexter that... origins is the name of the next one. Oh, great i, I, I great. was gonna guess it was gonna be old blood and current blood <laughs> wow i mean based on like zillions and millions that's not too bad thank you yeah, yeah. dexter current blood <laughs> but uh plane sequel ship Millions and trillions are sequels for for so, billions. Did you guys yeah. watch billions? I didn't watch any of it. I watched the first couple episodes and it was uh it was not great, but then apparently I hear it gets to be very entertaining. So yeah, yeah I've heard people talk positively. I think it's very my, my understanding is very solidly entertaining. So yeah. Um, it's hard but, to go into billions having watched succession though, because I feel that's, like that's the thing. Like I've picked my asshole rich people show and yeah. it's succession. <laughs> I, I, I really thought <laughs> I you were saying say, I, I, I picked, you picked my asshole. asshole. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Phrasing. I've picked my asshole, period, rich people show. <laughs> okay. Anyway. <laughs> new show anyway. title. New show title. Yeah, yeah. New show I, title. I picked my asshole and found this show. <laughs> <laughs> I, picked my, everywhere I picked my asshole period new people show <laughs> <laughs> new people question mark show exclamation mark okay <laughs> anyway that wraps up our opening segment on film news and tv news let's take a break talk about a sponsor we'll be right back with more the film cast <laughs> <laughs> 
This episode of the Filmcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. I don't know about you, dear listener, but for me, stress is the number one impediment to being at my best. When I'm stressed out, I cannot perform at my best. I have a hard time with even the easiest tasks because I'm just too stressed out. But when you're at your best, you can do great things. You know, sometimes you get bogged down. You, you may feel overwhelmed, like you're not showing up in the way that you want to. But working with a therapist can help you get closer to the best version of yourself. Because when you feel empowered, you're more prepared to take on everything that life throws at you. But the truth is, sometimes the amount of stress I have in my life, and I'm, I'm guessing most of us, is hard to deal with just on our own. If you're thinking of giving therapy a try, BetterHelp is a great option. It is convenient, flexible, affordable, and entirely online. All you need to do is fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. If you want to live a more empowered life, if you want to help deal with the stress that might bog you down like it does me, therapy can help get you there. Visit betterhelp.com slash filmcast today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash F-I-L-M-C-A-S-T. All right, folks, let's talk about what we have been watching this week. Guys, I want to tell you about my weekend. You know, like I make a, a pretty big effort to try to have like some interesting stuff to talk about in our what we've been watching segments. Not as a lot I know of new stuff do. this time, this and, week. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, but as I know, we all do, you know. Um, and uh, and I was sitting down on Sunday. There's actually a couple of things I, I have been meaning to get to. I bought um, Star Trek The Motion Picture Director's Cut on 4K Blu-ray recently. Ooh, I'm looking forward nice. to getting to that. I'll probably talk about that on the podcast at some point. Because apparently it's like a much better cut, so I'm, I'm really looking forward to that. Got the Wrath of Khan on 4K while I was at that too, so I'm really looking forward to that. And I was sitting down on Sunday to figure out like what I'm going to watch. I was going to watch some art house movie. Probably I was going to watch like uh, what's it called? Um, what's it, the guy who did Irreversible? Uh, Gaspar Noé. He, mm -hmm. he directed like a couple movies last year. Um, Vortex and Lux Eterna. I was like, I can watch one of these movies or something like that. You know, you know, basically put in something good for the world we've been watching. Uh, on a lark, I started watching this show on Peacock called The Traitors. Have you guys heard of this show on yes. Peacock? Mm -hmm. Yes. The Traitors. It's a reality television show that's basically uh, mafia. You know, it's basically like there's a few yeah. people who are uh, traitors amongst these people called the One Faithful. Night Ultimate Werewolf, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And people complete missions to put money into the prize pot and then every night they vote on who is going to be banished because they think they're a traitor uh and at the end if there's any traitors left in the mix then uh the traitors get all the money and if there's no traitors left in the mix then the faithful people get all the money uh i watched this entire show in like one day what, what? it's like wow 10 it's like 10 one hour episodes and i just found it to be only so, 10 hours. Only yeah. 10 hours. Yeah. I just oh, found Dave, it to be what a life so, you lead. <laughs> yeah, I know. I just found it to be so entertaining. Um, because I started watching a show. It's very, it's it's similar in some ways to a show called The Mole on Netflix that I also quite enjoyed. Um, now, there's a huge difference. In The Mole, you don't know who The Mole is. Like the whole time you're watching, you're like, who's The Mole? I don't know who The Mole is. And then at the end, it's a big reveal as to who The Mole is. 
in here, in the traders, you know who the traders are right up front. Like they tell you immediately and you get to watch them plan out who they're going to murder and so on. And you get to watch their strategy sessions. I'm watching the show, the traders. I'm like, I don't like this show very much because a lot of these people are annoying. Like they have a lot of reality show people on like people who are in big brother and real housewives and below deck. Like they have all these like reality show people on there and some like regular people on there. And, you know, like, uh, I find a lot of these reality show personalities to be pretty irritating. So I'm like, oh, this is like the mole, but more annoying. But then the traitoring begins. <laughs> and I'm like, this is incredible because you're watching these people rip each other apart. And it is hugely entertaining, in my opinion, um, because they're <laughs> they're like turning on each other for like no reason whatsoever. You know, like it's just yeah. like the most tenuous of circumstances. Uh, I think this show is so much fun. And, and in particular, the people who they chose to be traitors are so good at traitoring. Like they're just really, really good at it. So good at traitoring. Uh, until they're not, until they're not. And, 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 you know, sometimes they make like really horrible mistakes or some big twists in the movie. I, I'm not joking. I'm, uh, you know, my wife is out of town. I'm watching this show by myself, right? In my, in my house alone. I'm literally applauding at the screen. I'm cackling with glee watching the show, like laughing my yeah. ass off. I'm imagining that scene uh, in Freaks and Geeks with Martin Starr, where he's just home after school watching TV. You're having yeah, a good or, time. Great time. Or uh, Robert, De Niro, Robert De Niro in Cape Fear, you know, yeah, like yeah. <laughs> in the theater. <laughs> um, I, yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead, Dave. No, you go. You go, Jeff. Go ahead. Well, I was going to say, if, if anybody wants to have the experience of this show themselves with their own friends, we call these in the board game, hobby board game space, a lot of people refer to these as friend enders. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. uh, there is a, a one that sounds, I haven't watched the show, but it sounds like exactly the same format. It's a game called <laughs> The Resistance. Mm -hmm. I believe it's from Indie Boards and C Cards and Boards. Uh, is the company that publishes it. Uh, they have a bunch of different versions of the Resistance. The original is a sci-fi one. There's like a fantasy-themed one. But basically, it's the same thing. You do missions, uh, and then you have to try to ferret out who the uh, who the uh, traders are. And it literally is the entire process of the game, social deduction game. The entire process is accusing your friends of being liars and yeah. lying to your friends. So it's uh, it's it's good time. It's good time. I find it interesting, like what the social dynamics are in a situation like this. Like what is it that causes people to have suspicion? You know, those kinds of things. I think it's really fascinating. This is a part of my unending quest to give Jeff uh, to, to try to get Jeff to try out a reality show, which I know Jeff is very resistant to. Yeah. Um, but I found this to be so much fun. I had such a blast. By the way, I've had a, a number of people uh, DM me already to say, Hey, check out the UK version. It's way better. And it's like, okay, that's fine. You know, I, I will try to check out the UK version, but the US version, which is airing right now on Peacock, is very, very amusing. Um, and uh, I highly recommend it if you're looking for some light, fun backstabbing. Okay. <laughs> then you should check out The Traitors on Peacock. Jeff, have I convinced you you should check out the show? What, is your, what does your wife think about reality shows, Jeff? Does she, does she like them at all? No? I mean, we watch, uh, the, we do watch a number of reality shows. All of them are home design or mm, house yeah. makeover type dealios. Uh, she loves that, um, oh, what's it called? The, the, the couple that have, the Utah-based couple that have the very profitable design business. Mm, We've mm -hmm. watched every season of that on, on Netflix. Got it, got can't it. can't remember what it's called. I, I'll, I'll just say, like, I, I usually don't scream at my TV. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not a, I'm not a, I'm not a screamer at the TVer. You know, like, that's uh -huh. not me. 
and I was screaming at my TV just by myself. I I don't do this in general, let alone when I'm by myself. Um, but I was screaming at the TV watching the show, like screaming was, in a in a in a don't do that. Yeah, or, like oh, like oh my god, I can't believe this is happening. You know, like it is just <laughs> there's just so many like amazing twists. Uh, I love I loved it. I just loved it. And by the way, it's already <laughs> been renewed great. for season two. So all right, look um, at you. Look I'm, at look, I'm looking forward to it. Anyway, check it out. The traders on Pe- uh, on Peacock. I also had a chance to watch uh, the new Pamela Anderson documentary on Netflix. I believe it's called Pamela, a love story. And this is part of a uh, PR uh, push to get Pamela Anderson's story out there from her perspective. That's happening right now. She also put out a, uh, uh, an autobiography or a biography uh, recently. So they're, they're kind of both coming out together. Um, documentaries are in a weird place right now, guys. I don't know if you guys saw this piece in Vulture this week about how mm-hmm. documentaries are in a weird place where like, I'm old enough to remember when documentaries were things that um, it was incredibly difficult to get funded. They basically never made any money yeah. at all. Um, and now it is like a very mainstream activity to watch docuseries on Netflix, right? But with that mainstreamness has come a lot of challenges. Uh, and a lot of questions about what exactly documentaries are. This documentary, Pamela, A Love Story, is a good example of what some of those challenges are because you cannot make a documentary about Pamela Anderson without her participation, right? Or I mean, or right, let me put it this way: you could, um, but it wouldn't have her perspective in it, right? She would she would say like, I don't want to participate in it. Um, or I wouldn't want to participate in a way where she needs to relinquish the amount of control that she would need to for such an opportunity. Um, typically, when you're making a documentary of musicians, um, the musicians need to like sign off on your using their music, right? And so uh, there's all these questions now of like, what is a documentary? Like, is it really like a dispassionate clinical presentation of? Uh, this information, like if if the participant is an executive producer in the documentary, can it really be an impartial look at that person? Um, so what Pamela, a love story is, it's just basically uh, like her, Pamela Anderson, telling the story of her life from her perspective with a bunch of footage that she has, as well as uh, reading from her diaries. That's kind of what the whole movie is. Um, and do you think that is inherently interesting or valuable? If so, you'll probably enjoy Pamela a love story. Mm-hmm. Um, if not, then you know I don't think it's going to offer like a, a deep, incisive look at her life in a way that you know I've, it's not like hard hitting or anything like that because she has a close relationship with the director, from what what I understand. You know, like and it's like it's it's just gonna it's not going to be um, completely uh, uh, you know uh, uh, what what do you call it? It's it's not completely absent of any negative uh, elements about her life, but it is distinctly from her perspective. There is one thing about it that I think is quite interesting, which is they were documenting Pamela Anderson when news was announced about the Hulu original series, Pam and Tommy. And then they were able to document what her reaction was to Pam and Tommy. And she is like horrified by it. You know, she it's like, deeply upsetting to her like physically it like creates all this anxiety in her that you see very evident on the screen it's actually very upsetting to watch it 
Aren't her sons um, very outspoken in her defense and, and kind yes. of uh, have been... Exactly. Are they in, featured exactly. in the documentary? They're featured in the documentary, yeah. It's actually quite heartwarming. Like, their relationship is very nice. Um, and um, it really casts a... Cast the Pam and Tommy Hulu series in a very negative light uh, because that series, theoretically, part of the message of that series was like, look at how horribly Pamela Anderson was exploited. Look at how horribly she was treated by the media. Look at how horribly this whole scandal uh, affected her career. Um, that's kind of a huge part of what that documentary was about. I'm sorry, that original series, Pam and Tommy, was about. But Making it and then releasing it re-traumatized Pamela Anderson, right? They did it without her permission, and she was clearly unhappy with it, and she didn't want it to happen. Um, and so, it, again, it kind of reveals to you like what her opinion was of Pam and Tommy, but also like uh, when somebody makes a series that's purportedly like this is um, like I want to tell the real story of Britney Spears or Pamela Anderson or whoever else, like. Um, it's, I think it's important to just be aware of, uh, what the incentives are of the people behind that, but also, um, what the actual subjects feel about that kind of thing. Because if that is, if that is the message of your thing, uh, that like, it's about how Pamela Anderson was ex exploited and treated poorly and the work itself does the same thing, then it kind of is self-defeating. Uh, and that is something that Pamela, a love story, the documentary on Netflix really does reveal. So, uh, I, 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 I appreciated it. I appreciated the documentary. I, I think it's worthwhile to get, uh, celebrities perspectives mm -hmm. because we, we often don't hear about it from their perspective. I'm not saying it should be held up as the one truth, but when we, when we read about Harry and Megan or watch stuff about Harry and Megan or read and watch stuff about Pamela Anderson, it's like, you often aren't hearing about what their lives are like uh, from their perspective. And I do think there's some value in that. So that's why I appreciated Harry and Meghan. That's why I appreciated uh, Pamela Love Story on Netflix. I, I kind of think that these perspectives are valuable and interesting, but you may disagree. Anyway, um, that's what I've been watching this week. Jeff, well, Dave, you, you yeah. know, you run in this whole thing about how, you know, you're, you're trying to figure out something to watch this week and you want to find, but I feel like over the last several weeks, uh -huh. There's been a bunch of things where you're like, oh, I'm definitely checking that out. Oh, I'm going to yeah. check that out. And uh, no, uh, no, no word on whether you check those things out. How's Poker Face? Yeah, how's uh, Poker Face? How's I, Kaleidoscope? How's, uh, <laughs> how's, uh, uh, Firefly? Yeah, I actually, Fleischman I, is in all, trouble or... Oh yeah. Fleischman's oh yeah, that's true. That's true. I, I I have watched Fleischman is in trouble and it was I binged Fleischman is in trouble in 48 hours <laughs> and it was incredible. It's like, it was yeah, a life-changing yeah. experience. Uh, and I love yeah, it. Not worth mentioning on the show or anything. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And Poker Face, I'm all caught up with. Uh, my wife and I are watching it together, and it's really, really great. It's really fun. Mm -hmm. And Kaleidoscope, um, no one I've talked with has said it's good, other than the people on this podcast. So <laughs> that is I'm one not, of those Jeff shows. So yeah. it's a mm -hmm. it's a Jeff show. I think I, I might check. I might still check it out. Um, but yeah, that's the stuff I've been catching up on that um, that uh, you guys have mentioned recently. So I, I do listen to your advice. I just choose not to acknowledge that in public. Yeah. Mm, fair, fair. So Devinder Hardware, what have you watched this week? Well, speaking of another show Dave will never watch, uh, I want to talk a bit about... I've watched, I've watched the first like five episodes of the first season. <laughs> okay, that, that's good. Uh, Servant <laughs> season four has just kicked off. It kicked off a couple weeks ago, actually. I just got around to watch again. Just want to say, uh, once again, this remains vibes, creepy vibes, the show. Um, but the first episode alone just like is a real testament to like how this show works, right? Because 
not much happens plot wise. And that is true for a lot of episodes of Servant. But there are some like genuinely great like sequences um, at this point in the show. Not, not a huge spoiler, um, but th- there is a cult that's after um, the, the main one of the main characters, Leanne, the young girl taken in by Lauren Ambrose and Toby Kelbill's characters. And uh, there, there's a cult kind of chasing her. She is home alone. And this goes from being a kind of a home invasion episode to her being outside um, can only get into the car that's across the street. And cult people are just like everywhere, right? Just walking down the street. Could, could be the guy selling hot dogs. Could be part of the cult. Could be, could be trying to get you. Um, it is her stuck outside um, trying to get back inside and failing because uh, she, she, she cannot know who to trust. And the way it is just one street, guys, it is a street and a door. And the episode takes place mostly in, in that street. Um, at one point, she is like, uh, they, they try to attack her and she gets into the car that's across the street. She locks herself into the car. More people appear and they attack the car. And then like the show just gets fully into like, um, at this point, like, uh, I feel like magic and supernatural stuff is kind of real, too, because uh, it turns into the birds a bit. This show goes all over the place. I can never quite expect where it's going to go. But I have to say, it is a good creepy time. I do I do enjoy it. I do love putting myself in this universe and just seeing people. It's not always Shyamalan. He didn't direct this uh, this uh, season opener. But they have his vibes. The, like, slow, slow camera movements. The sort of, like, uh, dramatic push-ins and things. And I just like, I, I like being in a universe of things made in the style of M. Night Shyamalan. I feel like that's why I keep watching this show. Um, this entire episode could just be like a silent film because like you can tell everything vi- visually and it looks so good and still so creepy, even without sound, even without dialogue. I feel like you would get um, really, really dirty vibes from the show. So anyway, Servant's still good, um, still enjoyable to me, um, even when the plot doesn't really move that much. Like, I feel like they've kind of mastered the sort of slow momentum of a streaming show, and uh, I still enjoy it. Yeah, I watched the first few episodes, and I uh, I actually quite enjoyed them as well. Like, great mm-hmm. premise for a show. Um, and I kind of was, like, wondering, is this going to go anywhere? And maybe uh, if it does, it, it goes I'll, I'll places. It yeah. Like, that's the thing. Does it go anywhere? Well, it goes places. You know, like, does this plot amount to much? <laughs> I don't know, but it does go places. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's also so interesting to reflect on how we've seen directors, like, really indelibly shape uh, TV series. Uh, David mm-hmm. Fincher with House of Cards. You know, he directed the first few episodes, and then, like, every episode after that looks kind of yeah. like the first couple this episodes. Is a style. You know? They they establish right. the style. They establish yeah. the style, and then, like, you know, the, the rest of the people running the show, like, kind of stick with it for the rest yeah. of the time. So. And Servants at this point, I've talked about this before, like, Shyamalan's daughters are involved. Like, one of them d- does music for the show occasionally. One of them has directed some episodes. So it is a whole, like, Shyamalan factory over there. Mm. Well, that's Servant Season 4. It's on Apple TV+, and that is what Devinder Hardware has been watching this week. Let's take a break, talk about a sponsor. We'll be right back with more what we'll be watching right after this. Hey, it's time for me to tell you about our sponsor, NordVPN. A VPN. Do you use one? If not, you really should. If you are, you should be using NordVPN. VPNs protect you. They protect your surfing online. Surfing, we still call it surfing? I think we still call it surfing. Web surfing, surf the web with peace of mind. A VPN is a virtual private network, a service that protects your internet connection and your privacy online. VPNs create an encrypted tunnel for your data. They protect your online identity by hiding your IP address 
and allow you to use public Wi-Fi spots safely. This is important, but that's not all. You can also access movies, streaming, and other content from anywhere. You don't have to miss your favorite content from home when you're traveling abroad, but you can also use services that are in other countries as if you're in that home country yourself. And NordVPN is the best because it's easy to use. You connect with a single click or you can even enable auto connect for zero click protection. They have over 5,400 servers in 60 countries. So you can find a server near you for better speed or connect to a faraway location to explore the internet there. And they have amazing speed. That's the key, what you want in a VPN. It's confirmed by speed test that NordVPN is the fastest VPN out there. You can connect six devices on every major platform, Windows, Android, iOS, Mac OS and Linux, even your Android TV supports NordVPN. Grab your exclusive NordVPN deal by going to nordvpn.com filmcast to get a huge discount off your NordVPN plan and a bonus gift. It's completely risk-free with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. Again, nordvpn.com filmcast. Try it risk-free now with a 30-day money-back guarantee. Jeff Canada, what have you watched this week? Well, I went through a similar situation this week where I felt like there wasn't really anything new out yeah. there on all the streaming services. I was kind of like, I don't know what I'm going to watch for for what we've been watching. And uh, I settled on a movie that came out last year that I had heard really good things about people had recommended to me, but I had never gotten around to watching. It's a movie called Brian and Charles. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I've uh, heard I've heard great things about it. Was this on Peacock, Jeff? Or am I No, I believe it was on... Amazon Prime streaming. I, it was mm. a, somewhere that I didn't have to pay for it. I know it was a, it was on streaming somewhere that I was already uh, uh, had that streaming service. Yes, um, it is. It is on Amazon Prime right now. Prime now. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Great. Um, <clears throat> this is uh, a, very much the kind of movie that I like. Uh, it, it's a small little indie movie. Uh, it it is it is sweet. It is um, it's goofy. <laughs> you know, it, it it's almost, it's magical at times. I love movies like this. Uh, the idea of Brian and Charles is <clears throat> it features the, the main character, uh, Brian, who is this sort of lovable loser, uh, lives in, in Wales in this very, very small little town. And he's lonely and depressed. And he just starts inventing things. Whatever he can think of, uh, he'll just start inventing it. And most of his inventions are stupid. Uh, he invents um, an egg belt which is a belt to help you carry eggs. You know, it's like nonsense stuff. And then one day he finds a mannequin head uh, in the garbage, in someone's garbage, and he, he gets the idea to build a robot. And so uh, in this movie, he builds a robot, and of course it becomes a fully autonomous AI robot. Just, you know, just one of those movies where just something magical happens, doesn't really explain it. No lightning strikes, no, no you know, it's nothing... It just happens. He just did it. He, he built the robot. And the robot looks ridiculous. Like the movie doesn't even attempt. It's a it's literally a person with a cardboard box and a mannequin on their head. And the cardboard box like has clothes, right? It's, the movie is being, you know, it's just, it's just creating this kind of fanciful uh, 
you know, not realistic uh, situation. And I love movies that do that. I love that sort of magical realism where, you know, we just accept it. You just got to accept it. And it becomes this really sweet kind of cute tale about him and this robot. And the robot basically behaves uh, like the mixture between like a small toddler and a dog, you know, and it learns things and it gets an attitude and it sort of goes through adolescence. And it's very charming. I found the movie very, very charming. Uh, it's an hour and a half. It goes quick. Uh, the the lead performance um, is the the David Earl, who is the I think also the writer of the movie, plays uh, Brian. It's a character he's been playing for a long time. This character of Brian, in fact, I think he's in a bunch of Ricky Gervais shows in the past. Um, I think he was in uh, I, don't, I can't remember the the various you know sitcoms that Ricky Gervais did after The Office. Anyway. He's charming. He it's very, you know, it's very uh very um dry and and kind of goofy and lovable. And I I just thought the movie was very charming. I I enjoyed watching it. It's not a complete home run, but I laughed out loud a number of times cuz the the robot talks in this kind of speak and spell robot voice and it, it but it'll talk very, you know, very colloquially, you know, and and hearing those things in that robot voice it just tickles me. Uh, and the movie knows what it's doing. It's being silly and it's being sweet and it's it's great. And it also gives me the opportunity to talk about a movie it reminded me of, which is a movie I don't get to mention quite enough on this show or anywhere. It's a movie that if, nay, when I win the summer movie ra- wager at some point, uh, it may en- end up being, it's definitely in contention to be the movie I force everyone to watch. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, it's a movie called Mother of Invention. Uh, and it is, uh, it's very much similar to this movie. This movie is shot like a, like a, a faux documentary. Like he talks to the camera a lot. Um, and so does Mother Mother Invention is a faux documentary about this character, Vincent Dooley, played by Andrew Bowser, who's a friend of mine and also I think very, very talented dude. Um, and uh, Mother of Invention is about uh, this goofy character's kind of lovable loser trying to create invention. So it's very similar in, in, the, in, in uh, what it's attempting to do. I, I prefer that movie to this one, but I think both are worth watching. And Mother of Invention is on streaming, so you can watch it anytime. It's from 2009, one of my favorite uh, independent comedies. It's just so smart and so well-made, and I think Andrew Bowser's a genius, and... Uh, so yeah, I, I recommend both of them, Brian Charles and uh, Mother of Invention. Cool. Uh, anything else you've been watching, Jeff? Yeah, I, this was the week. This was the week that I finally, at long last, did the thing that I've been dreaming of doing for long before I even had children. <laughs> I introduced my kids <laughs> to a show called Avatar The Last Airbender. Yes. And, you know, I love avatars, all the avatars. I don't care whatever kind of avatar you want. I'll love them. Uh, Avatar The Last Airbender is one of my favorite shows of all time. I think it's one of the best fantasy, grand fantasy stories ever. Uh, I think it's, you know, it's uh, for me, it's up there alongside Lord of the Rings and Star Wars and whatever you want to think. It's, It's a beautifully realized world, a great, fun story. And it just happens to be a sort of seven-year-old uh, you know, YA7 Nickelodeon show from the early 2000s. You know, it's, it, it, it's a cartoon. Uh, it's goofy. It's slapstick. It's, uh, you know, it's, it, but it's so, so smart and so well-made. And if you haven't ever heard of it or ever watched the show, it, 
I hadn't watched it. I hadn't sat down and watched the first season of Avatar The Last Airbender in 15 years. Maybe? Oh, man. Yeah. So uh, it's like new to you at this point. Yes. And it's been so much. My son, Jack, who is six, uh, is in love with it. He keeps, we have conversations at night uh, before bed where he's like, Daddy, does, does Aang, you know, is Aang going to learn uh, uh, earthbending? And I was like, well, you have to watch and find out. That's his whole journey. And, oh, he's, you know, yeah. If you, okay, so if you earthbend uh, a rock and then firebend it, could you put a rock on fire? Well, you have to watch, son. You know, <laughs> yeah. you Does, doesn't that make love a dad? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's so great, man. He is so like invested in it. We, we'll watch two or three episodes at a time and he'll be like, daddy, daddy, can we watch one more? And I'll be like, okay, we'll be able to do it tomorrow. It's been such a joy. It is exactly what I was hoping for. I literally bought the Blu-ray box set of Avatar The Last Airbender um, before I ever Whoa. had kids. Which, which is rare for Jeff because Jeff doesn't like physical media, right? Exactly. Mm-hmm. I bought yeah. it this well before I had kids because I was like, someday I want to make sure I can show this to my kids. Uh, and, uh, and now here we are. Uh, just watching it streaming on Netflix. Yeah, yeah, you'll never touch those discs. (laughs) But I have them just in case. Mm -hmm. Just in case. Um, Anyway, it's a delight. And and, uh, the the fun of revisiting it for me is being reminded of of the the exact details of how everything happens. And, you know, so much of it I didn't remember. There's moments where I'm like, oh, yes, I I totally remember this part. Mm -hmm. and, uh, it, it, you know, the show completely holds up. It's so much fun. It's so smart. It's, it's great. It's great. Avatar. It's great. My, my daughter started watching that, I think, after around when she was three. And she has been, like, fully, fully on board. We even did Korra, which is more mature. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, this show, so good. I, everybody needs to watch it. I agree. It's, it's mm-hmm. fantastic. It's, it's a bummer that it's still in four by three, I think. Um, and yeah, I mean, that's, that's what it was made in. So, and yeah. they, you know, animation is especially those first few episodes. I, uh, the, let me just say, I disagree. It, it's a, it's great that it's they great kept that it in four by three, three and didn't crop yeah. it unnecessarily. Well, sure. Yeah. No, I agree with yeah. that. I'm just saying the, the experience of watching it is, is really stepping back in time. The, the animation it makes is it also... a better iPad show because then it's mm. full, full screen on an iPad, you know? That's true. That's true. Mm. We were watching it in the big screen in the living room, you know, like the whole family sitting around Nice. nice. And everybody's loving it, man. It's, it's good stuff. Wonderful. There's more coming. They have a whole I studio know. set up. Like I cannot. I cannot wait. Tons of Last Airbender stuff coming, mm-hmm. right? There's, yeah, it's like three other series. I, I think yeah. is what I recall. Well, that is what we've been watching. Uh, let's get to weekly plugs. I have a new free newsletter called Decoding Everything. And I'd recommend you check it out over at decodingeverything.com. This week, I wrote about the best and weirdest and worst Super Bowl ads. Check it out. Link to it in the show notes and also at decodingeverything.com. Devinder Hardwar, what's your weekly plug? I want to shout out the latest episode of the Engadget podcast uh, where uh, I, I, I was still out last week. They dove into all the latest AI news, um, all the stuff we've heard from Microsoft around how Bing is getting some AI smarts and also Google's announcement too. Um, I, I'm a little annoyed, guys, because uh, Microsoft is one of my beats. I decided to take two weeks off and uh, in, in <laughs> during, that time... During possibly one of the most consequential yeah. times yeah. in <laughs> Microsoft's One of the history. biggest news drops in like the past decade for Microsoft. <laughs> Uh, they didn't even give us any warning to like while I was on break, like they said, hey, want to come to Redmond like five days before? I'm like, guys, you, I need more warning. Anyway, check out that episode. Uh, we talk about the AI stuff. That's definitely going to be a thing we will cover in the future, too. 
Yeah, I, I am on the wait list to try out you know the mm-hmm. chat GPT's integration with Bing and I'm really excited about it. It looks really powerful. It, it looks way, uh, way better it's, it's than terrifying, guys. Yeah. This is, yeah, this is the it's death of the internet we're watching right now. It's all now. over for us, everybody. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But let's uh, let's ride the bomb on the way down going, yeehaw. Yeah. Well, well you, Jeff, I have further thoughts on that that I will talk about in one second, but or one minute. But first, Jeff, why don't you share your weekly plug? Well, I do a show called We Have Concerns, which is very, very, very much thematically mm-hmm. consistent with what mm-hmm. we've been talking mm-hmm. about. It's a show about science. And kind of our uh, concerns about them, uh, myself and Anthony Carboni, my co-host, uh, we, we, it's a comedy show, so we make fun of it, we make fun of ourselves, but you can also learn something, and uh, the most recent episode I think is an excellent one, really fascinating topic. Uh, it's called 18 Again, and it is about a billionaire, tech billionaire, or almost billionaire, nine, uh, 900 million I think he got for his company. Anyway, he's spending about $2 million a year as a 45-year-old man trying to do everything possible he can to make his body biologically 18. This is a startup guy. Yeah. The extent to which he's doing this. uh, I mean, you've heard about startup guys of like, Oh, I'll have Mm -hmm, these. mm -hmm. I'll do this. I'll microdose. What he's doing is in a completely different stratosphere. He he, literally, it's a full-time job. All he does all day long is measure his body and do things to it. And the things he do does are, extraordinary we step through all of them and we talk about it uh it's a pretty good episode 18 again at wehaveconcerns.com jeff was being uh, jeff and Dunger were being I, I think mildly facetious at least talking about the end of no, the internet and stuff okay really. no, no, well never mind then forget what i just said but uh i in, in all seriousness uh i do think that AI, ChatGPT, and all this stuff is going to reshape the internet. Yeah. It's going to reshape... take over everything. The world. It's, it's going to reshape the world. Yeah, it's going to reshape uh, search results. It's going to reshape a lot of stuff. And I think that um, literally the only way that people like us on this podcast, who are publishers, mm-hmm. um, can survive is through a direct connection with uh, listeners yeah. and people who enjoy Listen, our work. The content wars of the future will be fought by robots. And it's our job to build and maintain those robots. <laughs> And that is what we will be doing. It's like we will just be human, like human, like little gerbils to create content for these AI to consume. Because right now they're not making original things. So it it is not not great from what I'm seeing. Yeah. So the way that you can support us and make sure that we are not uh, immediately replaced Mm -hmm. by AI postpone our inevitable demise. Postpone our inevitable demise by becoming a patron at patreon.com slash film podcast. Um, we'd really support, the, uh, really appreciate anyone who supports us over there, uh, because yeah, I, I do think it's the future of uh, people like us being able to be paid to make anything at all. Because uh, mm-hmm. in the future, it's like everything about how you get information is going to be replaced, and so um, the, yeah. the AI voices will just generate a conversation around whatever you want. Yes, literally, yeah. literally, they're already doing yeah. that. Within yeah. within ten years, within ten years, you're, you're going to be able to listen to a whole podcast conversation. Um, and it can about, sound like whoever you want it to yeah, sound, it like, sound like, living or dead. Sound like. Exactly. Yeah. So uh, anyway, patreon.com slash film podcast postpone our inevitable demise. Of course, we never want anyone to donate if it in any way causes you financial hardship. Um, you can always support us for free by sharing about us on social media or become or uh, leaving a review for us on Apple Podcasts. Uh, just a, a star rating or review would help us out. And of course, a reminder that over on patreon.com slash film podcast, we are going to be reviewing Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon next week. And we just finished up our Magic Mike uh, retrospective last week. Okay, let's get to our review of Magic Mike's Last Dance. Let's go. 
I'm gonna put on a show at this famous theater. People are numb, disconnected. We're gonna wake them up with a wave of passion they've never felt before. Hell yeah. Without further ado, I give you the visionary artist's magic mind. So. Welcome to the Filmcast's review of Magic Mike's Last Dance. I'm going to read the plot summary from IMDb. Mike takes to the stage again following a business deal that went bust, leaving him broke and taking bartender gigs in Florida. He heads to London with a wealthy socialite who lures him with an offer he can't refuse, end quote. I'm David Chen. I'm here with Devinder Hardaway and Jeff Kanata. Joining us today, she is a writer whose work has appeared at Vulture and Wired Magazine. She's also the host of the Feeling Scene podcast over on Maximum Fun. Jordan Cruciola, welcome back to the Filmcast. Thank you so much for having me on a magical occasion such as this. (laughs) We really appreciate having you back on uh, the podcast to discuss Magic Mike's Last Dance. Now, uh, we reviewed and discussed the Magic Mike movies last week on an After Dark episode. And uh, Jordan, you and I talked a little bit about the Magic Mike movies when... Uh, I was prepping you for this podcast appearance, and it was the question came up of, hey, uh, this is a movie that Steven Soderbergh directed a decade ago, Magic Mike 1. Uh, <laughs> Magic Mike XXL, he did not direct, although he did shoot and edit it. Uh, and then years later, when Magic Mike is not a thing that people are expecting more movies of, Steven Soderbergh, <laughs> Steven Soderbergh one of the greatest directors of our generation, comes back and he's like, I want to make a new Magic Mike movie, right? Like... Mm-hmm. Yeah. He, he he and so Jordan, you and I were like, he must have some kind of take. There must be some kind of take that he has. I almost wonder if just... he was waiting for Channing Tatum too, because Channing Tatum took a break from like lead roles for a while. So, mm. you know. well, uh, you know, the the true inspiration of the Magic Mike uh, Last Dance movie is he was inspired to make the movie after watching Channing Tatum and Allison Falk, the choreographer, put together the stage show for Magic Mike. Um, but Steven Soderbergh, who theoretically retired. When making side effects, even though he's made like, <laughs> even though he's made like, I remember that he's made like a dozen films since then. That's how I want to retire. You know? <laughs> yeah, don't don't take not me how I want to retire yeah. at all. That's um, how journalists and media people have yeah. to retire. Yeah. Continuing yeah. to be more yeah. prolific than ever. Not retiring. Yeah. yeah, he is back for this movie. He's, uh, I believe, he directed, shot, and edited the movie. Uh, and so the question is: Is Magic Mike's Last Dance? a movie worthy of Steven Soderbergh's talents. Does he have a take that you think was worth putting on screen? Jordan Cruciola, start us off. It feels like there's no take whatsoever. I feel like he just wanted to hang out again. Like there, that's, this felt like the, the most, the, the, the least, the, the most takeless of the three. <laughs> it was, uh, it was just like, you know what? I miss filming Channing Tatum mm-hmm, dancing. Mm-hmm. And uh, Salma Hayek is great. And so surely we can make something happen with them. And that feels like it was the mandate. Like, it just really feels like somebody who missed this thing they did a long time ago and was like, what if it was my last dance with Magic Mike, though? <laughs> mm-hmm. So, uh, <laughs> so it's a takeless movie. Uh, yeah. But ultimately, though, Jordan, did you like the movie? What did you think of it? Yeah, overall? I had a lovely time. I, I missed um, the thing. I, I, I walked down and, and checked the, I was like, hmm, I feel like people aren't, I don't have a problem with this. I feel like people aren't really taking it well. And I saw like a 45% on Rotten Tomatoes, which feels very rude. Um, <laughs> guys, just give it a cool 60, 65. Like it's, we're it's having a nice low. time. If low. you came yeah. to Magic Mike 
last Magic Mike's last dance for anything but dancing <laughs> and just seeing Channing be an unbelievably beautiful screen presence with an unbelievably beautiful screen presence compliment in Salma Hayek. Like, I don't know what you were there for. Mm-hmm. I missed the the I missed knowing him in a group uh he mike works so well with his 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 vibes with his other dancers and when we just get to see them briefly in this movie like on a zoom call with him it was so nice and i and we don't really get to know any of the dancers in in last dance so that was a thing that i missed but other than that i was like i got i was served what i ordered when i punched a ticket to this movie and a whole row behind me was women who came together straight from the cheesecake factory there to get yes. their entire lives and they seemed very happy so i think that this movie is a success based on their reactions behind me as well all right uh, it's a success for jordy she got what she ordered devinder hardwar your thoughts on magic mike's last dance you know guys I, I did not expect this series to end up being one of my favorite trilogies like going on <laughs> right now but here we are um but one thing i noticed during this movie it's a cinderella story and actually all of these movies have basically been fairy tales. And the first one is kind of a grim fairy tale. Like, hey, there's some magic here, but darkness. The mm. second was pure pure light, pure whatever. Let's just hang out. Let's have vibes. This one is very much, um, it feels more of like a traditional fairy tale template where he's down and out. He gets this like once in a million opportunity to go to London and do something. Doesn't seem believable, but whatever. It's a fairy tale, guys. Just roll with it. And I think I had a lot of fun with this movie. Um, I'd say my main criticisms are, it not enough dancing early on. I think that first scene um, with him and Salma Hayek was pretty great, pretty hot. And um, the movie just kind of like you're, you're world building, you're getting introduced to all the people in London. Um, it kind of like just sputters for a while up until uh, the guys do something else. Uh, there's like a group dance on a bus, which is fun. And uh, like the big finale, like I think the ending, they kind of saved a lot there. But unlike Magic Mike XXL, I can't just point to like various set pieces within the middle to be like, oh, that's fun. Pony was fun. The gas station was fun. And there's like not enough of those in here. But I do like Salma Hayek here. I think they have like genuine chemistry. And uh, I just wish like this movie had more time to focus on her character and like, okay, what is the deal with her and her husband? What is the deal with the daughter who I think is really interesting as a presence? Um, I just would have liked a little more time there. And uh, I don't know, like maybe tighten up the movie in that respect. But beyond that, like it, it, it is also it's a hangout movie in a different way. It's Mike getting the chance to like put on the show of his dreams. I think that part of it is, uh, is, is just like really compelling. I saw it at a late night screening here. So that, that was unfortunate because it was just me in a giant, <laughs> giant theater. Like it is like the number one theater at this Regal. And I'm like, okay, well, it's my magic Mike all to myself. The first time I saw the first magic Mike, it was like post brunch in a boozy, like Brooklyn cinema. And like, that was the way it was like, yeah, mm-hmm. all the ladies behind me, like freaking out over this movie. Um, I really missed that experience. And I can't wait to watch this with my wife. Cause she is a huge Salma Hayek fan. So you, like, I think if you like these people, you know, I, I think this is kind of what you've been asking for. My only thing, I, I kind of wish they brought in some of the gang, at least like one of the gang, bring in mm-hmm. Joe Mangiello to like, do, do his, his thing, you know, at the end. Um, but beyond that, like I, I had a lot of fun with this. It's not, it's not as consistently fun as the second one, but I think I still enjoy it a lot more. It's more rewatchable than the first, I'd say, which is kind of a bummer of a movie, as we've talked about. Yeah. Uh, well, I, I think it reminds me of Jeff Kanata talking about his Infinity Pool experience watching in the theater, <laughs> where it was like, it was, it was like there was like a dozen people, and they're all single dudes 
yeah. all spaced out all throughout the theater. Yeah, yeah. all hands mm-hmm. in their pockets. Great. That feels <laughs> like being in a like a like a red light district theater. <laughs> yeah, it's that scene in Taxi Driver where he takes her on the date. Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> Jeff Kanata, your thoughts on Magic Mike's Last Dance? Well, Dave. I guess you could say my thoughts on Magic Mike's Last Dance are best summed up in the form of a limerick. Mm. (sighs) This film's an absolute mess. If you're here for more fun, you get less. There's all these new guys, but the film barely tries. They're not strippers. They're props who undress. Wow. I am clearly not the target audience for this. I'll mostly shut up during this this uh, <laughs> this review. But weirdly, over the last week, having watched the last two Magic Mike movies back to back, I got weirdly uh, invested in this yeah. franchise. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and this movie could not have been less of what I want, less uh, interesting. It, it, it makes absolutely no sense, which we'll. <laughs> I would like to step through when we get to spoilers, <laughs> but again, I can shut up mostly because if this is here, my experience of watching this movie was I went to a 1.30 PM afternoon showing on a Friday by myself. You guys had terrible theater as well. What's that? You guys had terrible. Yeah, I hope yeah. this goes into a place where there were more people with you and you weren't yeah. just like fully alone in the I went room. No, 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 no. I don't, I don't mean by myself in the sense that the theater was empty. I mean oh, by okay. myself and that like, I went by myself. Yeah. My mom, my mom was in town and there was a point. Yes. You missed at which I was going to be yeah. taking my mom to see this. You should have. Uh, uh, and uh, unfortunately, um, my wife got COVID. And so my wife, my mom had to be childcare. We don't need to get into that. But the point is, I, I went by myself, a creepy dude in a hoodie, uh, by myself. And I sat in a row with two, I don't know, 20-something, late 20 uh, girls who were clearly there to have a great time. Mm-hmm. And the first scene happens with Selma Hayek and, uh, and, and Channing Tatum. And they are getting exactly what they want they, yeah. I, I'm, I'm like this is this is amazing this is yeah. hot this is we're in magic mike territory yeah. baby he's back uh and uh they are like whooping and like mm-hmm, all that stuff and then dead silence for the rest of the movie because the movie gives you nothing else until the very last scene which is also super hot but features a female very prominently, which I enjoyed very, very much. I mean, um, same. Like, yeah. you're not special for that, Jeff. Well, I'm not claiming to be special. I'm just, <laughs> I'm just pointing out my experience. I think this, I mean, again, I will try to be as brief as I can. Th- this movie makes absolutely no sense to me, not because it's a fairy tale, but because M- Magic Mike keeps getting things he doesn't want. And then... The- <laughs> And then the, the movie all of a sudden decides that he wants them, even though he never wanted them in the first place. <laughs> he has no, there literally is no goal for Magic Mike in this movie at any point. We don't even, there's no stakes for anybody except maybe Salma Hayek, but even her, it doesn't matter. Nothing matters until the very end when we're supposed to, when it just like, they tell us that it matters. <laughs> None of the, the, all of the dancing with all of the nameless, personalityless extras that we get, all of those are like gymnastics demonstrations, which are impressive. But Dallas, 
would not have any of that. It You're does. Right. If you brought Dallas into this thing, he would be like, yes. what the hell are you doing? No woman is getting excited. You know, that scene where Dallas teaches the kid in the first movie how to actually be sexy is there's nothing like that in this. There's not, it's non-existent. Magic Mike <laughs> just looks at those guys doing backflips and goes, wow. That's all we, that, it's like, what? Those aren't strippers. There's no stripping. Mm -hmm. It's a, it's a, it's an athletic demonstration of it's And it's impressive. They're, they're very good at that. But like, anyway, I have lots more to say. I'm probably not going to say it because clearly I, well, my view isn't shared, but I think this movie is a disaster as far as a entry into this franchise and anything that is remotely entertaining. Like it, it, it makes no sense. There's, there is, voiceover narration in this movie that is dreadful dreadful it's like what is it doing here what is it even doing i anyway. I, 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 I don't i i everything you're all those logistical points you're saying are true yeah i had a good time all of them are true all like no dispute no stakes. You're right. It's, it is extremely funny how right you are, but Mike doesn't want any of this. Right. That is extremely true. And it's just like, that's why I would like, I, what I was said, it was just pure takeless movie. It's like, I just think Steve wanted to hang out with his friend Channing again. Yeah. And yeah. just yeah. like, it, if they had just, wow. just released that last dance in the water. Oh, my as a God. Short, <laughs> and you, you've done it. That's all we need. Everything else in this movie is, or, or the first dance yeah. and the last dance. <laughs> are the only things that are even remotely worth watching in this movie, in my opinion. They Let are me, franchise highlights. They do manage to become, I think, trilogy highlights. Those two, those two Channing scenes. They're very, good. they're very good. Let me, let me make, let me agree with Jeff on the. Or actually, let me uh, push back against Jeff and try to make the case for the film. <laughs> okay, before I agree with Jeff and make the case against the film, right? So my my only pushback, Jeff, is I largely feel the same way as Jeff. I think the movie is not very good. And it is shocking to me that Steven Soderbergh made the two worst Magic Mike movies. Um, <laughs> but, uh, and I agree with pretty much everything Jeff said about the plot. The whole time I'm wondering to myself, why does Magic Mike keep saying, I'm not dancing anymore. I don't do the dancing thing anymore. Like, that's not me anymore. Why does he keep saying? Been broken, what, man. What, what is the <laughs> point? What is the point of that? And then I realized he is... The Steven Soderbergh surrogate in this movie. <laughs> Steve, Steven Soderbergh. Yeah. Steven Soderbergh has said he, when Side Effects came out, he's like, "I'm done. I hate the way movies are made. I don't want to make them anymore. The industry yeah. holds no appeal for me. I am retiring." And then, for some reason, he just keeps coming back. He keeps coming back, right? And it's because his sheer talent um, is so great. Yeah. Yep. That it's like it must be shared with the world, and as a that's metaphor great. for Soderbergh's career, it works for me. I think that's because, <laughs> like, to, no, I, I, I why I like that is because, like, at this point, like, he's got all his flowers. Like, I mean, mm -hmm. like, he, he has nothing left to prove. Yes. So, like, there is it is just vibes. Yes, for the, Steven Soderbergh at this point, exactly. this movie's just sure. vibes. So, like, the 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 crescendo of like whatever he does next, 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 next. It's like I already did. I did all the good, great shit, guys. Yes. This is just for me at this point. So it's like, why is Mike in London? I don't know. She's hot. Why is Steven Soderbergh <laughs> making this movie? I don't know. She's hot. Like, period. Yeah. But it would have been and, so easy to give Channing Tatum, totally, or or Mike. Literally, all you have to say is. 
man, I've always wanted to make this thing I do seem legit. Oh, okay. All of a sudden you have an actual theater with actual, like at no point do we get any motivation (laughs) from him at all for anything that he's doing. Now, the, the, the other thing I'll say, Jeff, though, is, is to defend the movie is that like, uh, yes, the male feats of athleticism are not in a stripping context like they were in the first two films. Um, but the defense of that is like, hey, uh, we already saw that. We already saw like tons of stripping, and it's like, okay. why not have a why not have a slightly different take of it? This is about capital D in this movie. You know? <laughs> yeah, this is about capital D. This is about the big D. Right? You hate tells us so much that like the meaning of dance. What is dance? What does dance do? Somehow we've arrived at the third magic mic. A meditation yeah. on dance. Uh, okay. It's, it's not great. Right. It's not great narration, but again, very fairy tale like. It actually reminds me of like old school, uh, almost like 19th century novel type things. Like it takes <laughs> it takes Magic Mike to this sort of like Victorian era feeling. Whatever. His motivation though is interesting because it's like every time we find him, he is kind of at a low, right? At the beginning of the first movie, even at the beginning of the second movie, like things are just not really working out for him. Now he's like, he's 40, he's a gig worker. And I feel like he speaks to a lot of people who are like, I don't, what do I do? What do I have left to offer the world? And this, it's a great setup. Yeah. The it's opening narration. Do nothing rules. with it. The opening narration that like, mm-hmm. much like all, looks like so many 40 year old millennials. Like I was like, oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, yes. Yeah. Like wiped out by a perfect acknowledgement of the mm-hmm. pandemic. Like it yes. destroyed this guy's thing. That's what it is. But, but the first 10 minutes, 15 minutes of this movie, I thought this movie was going to be a home run. I'm like, oh my God, we've set up this metaphor for today. Selma Hayek comes in. They get this, this the hottest dance I've ever seen in my life. Yes. We're in a Magic Mike movie. This is going to be great. And then the movie proceeds to take a turd on all of that, yeah. in my opinion. I, 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 I got to agree, by the way, with Jeff about the voiceover. This was like, honestly, this reminded me of... Uh, Harrison Ford's now deleted voiceover from Blade Runner the original. It was like I that think, terrible. Like yeah, he did it to troll everybody because Steven Soderbergh <laughs> knows everybody hates narration. You put narration garbage, your movie goes straight to the trash. He's like, I'm gonna give you narration from a precocious teen, motherfuckers. You know what was? You know what this movie up. ends up being though is like this is the most in its despite being like I, I think Devendra is totally right. This is a fairy tale. Despite being the most like pure fairy tale of it, it's also kind of the most naturalistic Mm -hmm. because this is the most like a real person Mike has ever seemed some fucking hot guy. Who's that hot. He is just coasting you guys. Like (laughs) this guy's me like, I don't know. I don't know. Like it's, and just having things handed to him over. I know people like him who it's just like, I, a friend of mine was talking about his ex he got like kicked out of his apartment building for some reason. And this guy's extremely beautiful. And he was just like, my, my friend was like, Oh, what are you going to do? Like how that's so that I'm so sorry that you're having to deal with that. And his response was like, "Huh, eh, it'll be fine. I find that like people are really nice. And like the generosity yeah. of others, like usually comes through for me. Works it's like, out. Yeah. cause it can, because it does. And it will. <laughs> he ended up living in some apartment in San Diego for free for free who does that happen to it happens to very hot people they don't have to have motivations ambitions plans or goals if you just end up with the right person who wants to grab you by the hand and pull you along if you're a certain kind of hot 
you will go and you'll just you'll just okay your way into ends and means it's crazy i couldn't get over in this movie how i was just like huh this has actually ended up being like the most accurate slice of life movie that a magic mike has been yet <laughs> this in is this. What that's never been who mike is the dude no i know but it's dreams. crazy how it ended up being what real life is well his okay. dream he's 40 jeff he's 40 he's 40 okay, me. no I, more dreams in this life <laughs> My broader point about the relationship is that they say this in the movie. She brings out the best in him, like something he never realized he wanted. I think that is kind of it. He start, he gets into it. He gets into doing the shows like, oh, I've never thought of myself as a director, but <laughs> he gets into it. He has ideas, you know, and similarly, like she says that about him, like, oh, he actually believes in her. I wish their core relationship rather than like the stuff this movie does spend time. I, I wish it spent more time with them because I do think like they are really good together mm-hmm. and that whole that would sell it more as a romance, you know. Can I just say the most unrealistic part of this movie is the idea that his furniture business would be negatively hurt by COVID? Um, <laughs> I, I, I don't know about you all, but like COVID was a time when a lot of people made home improvements. Also, his stuff is like custom. It's not like he's like relying on Chinese yeah. distributors. Like, yeah. he's, he's like custom. It makes no sense to me. Anyway, still can't get also, materials, <laughs> man. Supply chains. Oh, oh you're no. right. Supply chain. Supply, <laughs> Supply chain. Just, yeah, just say that. Yeah, just say that. <laughs> Jordan, you you brought up the uh, the the um, Zoom call, which to me yeah. is like the best the best scene in the entire movie. That's not dancing. It's so, uh, so at, at one point in the movie, uh, Mike Lane has a Zoom call with all of his old buddies from Magic Mike XXL that are prominently not in this film. And that's the only yeah. exposure we get to them in this film. It's, it's ahead, the Jeff. only time the movie has any spark of life for me. I was like, yeah. oh, the people that I like from previous movies. The, it's the hashtag family. Oh, I, yeah. I, but It almost it, makes it harder having them there because you immediately miss them when they're yes, gone. You do. And also... Yeah, it's like, oh, no- maybe we shouldn't have done that because they're so great together. <laughs> yeah. The setup is he owes them money. <laughs> and he got this opportunity to have complete creative control doing something they would be really good at. He can do whatever he wants. He has a blank check. Well, bye, guys. I'll see you later. <laughs> Maybe they had their last dance too. Yeah, I, but, I I love like I thought it was very it was so ham fisted that it became like adorable how much this movie was like. It, it, like anti-misogyny like the it, like it just the way that it laid on so thick of like women can have it all and Channing Tatum being like, is the most isn't it misogynist we don't have female like it was so on the nose that it became very cute and like mm-hmm. you have Kevin Nash big sexy from WWE saying at one point hey man sex work is work I was like <laughs> honestly this is charming as hell okay <laughs> like I'll take how incredibly not subtle any of this is because it's just really well-meaning. Okay. I guess I feel like the second film made those points without literally saying them oh, out yeah. loud. Do you no, know what I mean? That's right? why it was yeah. it was great to just watch it be like, hey, let's hit it harder. Huh? This is <laughs> nice. This is good. It was like, sure. I'm that's nice of you. Like, okay, ally. Like, yeah, yeah, ally. <laughs> my my, my that's, yes, that's nice. That, that, that's fair. My my favorite part of that Zoom call. Well, you're is, right, unsmooth. <laughs> my favorite part of that Zoom call, and then I think we should get the spoilers, is uh uh that it had some of the worst audio and video quality that I've ever seen. 
Uh, was that like, a real it, transatlantic it, Zoom? That was nuts. I think it was. Verisimilitude, um, Dave. Verisimilitude. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, it, it had a level of audio video quality that I would find acceptable for this podcast, let alone <laughs> a Steven Soderbergh film. Like if Steven that Soderbergh was, was like, wild. hey, hey, David Chen, you're going to be second AD on this one. Uh, make a Zoom call with everyone. It would look and sound way this better is, than what is, you saw in that. In this the, is Steve Nash, by the way. <laughs> Yeah, and it just like it just kept like it kept freezing, and I was like, I feel like this was not done in post. This audio, this video is just dying. Yeah, they just they're just like legitimately set up a Zoom call. Like just just schedule it. Well, because he's also in one of those like old England houses that probably doesn't have great Wi-Fi. You know what I mean? So like, (laughs) anyway, okay. Um, Well, those are our non. Yeah, somehow ended up being the most naturalistic Magic Mike. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Well, those are our non. Those are our non-spoiler thoughts on Magic Mike's Last Dance. Let's get to spoilers starting right now. Now you're looking for the secret. Can I see this coming? No. But you won't find it because, of course... You're not going to see this coming. You're not really looking. I have been puzzling over how it works. You don't really want to work it out. Who's in the box? I have been dying to tell you. I want to tell you my secret now. You want to be fooled. I have a couple big issues with this movie. Um, <laughs> couple? <laughs> one of them is... That, I mean, from a plot perspective, it's complete nonsense because there's this moment in the movie where it's like, oh, hey, the building code can't support you modifying the stage. And I'm like, oh, my. And then they have this big scene in the rain where he like confronts me. He's like, don't let this be the end. And I'm actually getting emotional. I'm watching. I'm like, yeah. oh, yeah, this is going to be. I, this right. will suck. But, but they're, sur- they're surely going to find some ingenious way to make it work. Like maybe they'll do the show on the street. Or maybe they'll rent some other theater or something like that. And literally, from what I can tell, the solution was Magic Mike just kept the keys to the theater and did the show. Is that Not only that, that, he ruins it. He ruins it with water. He literally <laughs> sprays water over this, this historical landmark. Incredible. <laughs> they they did insane. the show in secret. Like, that is the key. Like, ah. Uh, but the, bil- but, but, but the building code woman was there at the show. You know, like. Sure. What she needed I mean? a night. Oh my god! She needed a night. I love that we. Like, that? I love that we think we're gonna meet a bad guy, but we like never do because the ex isn't like really a bad guy. He's just kind of an ex. Like it, the, mm-hmm. it's like oh, he's just like okay. Like the relations seem like polite but strained, and he like we're meant to believe that the big bad is his mother. Like the matriarch of this family is like yeah. mom. Yeah. If yeah. you've got a problem with her in the theater, like I can't have this fight. You're gonna have to. And I was like. We're going to get like Helen Mirren yeah. as the mom. <laughs> yeah. Like yeah. some posh British woman yeah. is going to like square down, square off with Selma Hayek on the never appears, never happens. She's it's everything is through like Sorry. intermediaries <laughs> yeah. and third parties. It was like, oh, just, we're just never going to, there's never a bad guy. There's never be, it's just going to be man versus self this entire movie. Okay, fine. Sure. That's okay. Those the, are our terms of engagement. The scene with the inspector lady. <laughs> Who, who, by the way, we are told has gone to see Swan Lake and shut it down because she is so cold hearted. <laughs> the thing that opens her heart up is an improv anywhere on a bus <laughs> of, of Swan Lake. Don't forget, you know, mm-hmm. Jeff. Or, yeah. Yeah. Of the white it, swan. I was like, okay, we're going to see something freaking amazing. Like they're going to seduce this chick. This is going to be Ocean's Eleven style. They're going to freaking seduce this they chick. They set it up like Ocean's Eleven, too. It's fun. It's like... <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was like, this guy, he's made some Ocean's movies before. Yeah, he yeah. knows what he's doing. It's like a 90-second 
they spend zero time on it. The guy's like, do a couple of moves. And then there's a dude dressed like a bird at yep. the end. And she's like, oh yeah, no, anything you want for yours. There's no, <laughs> it's, it's asinine. It's, it's asinine. It's wild. Well, well, okay. Yeah. I, I don't disagree with you there, Jeff. I, yeah. I completely I, I will agree. say, Jeff, yeah. you sound like somebody who has never uh, been on a subway and encountered like a group of veterans <laughs> just like launch out in front of you. That's what it was. That was a Showtime in London. And, it's improv uh, anywhere. It's the yeah, best yeah. Showtime everywhere. Improv yeah. anywhere, sure. Yeah. Uh, but in New York, they just do it. Like kids just start dancing. It's fun. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. Here, here is where the, the film's fatal flaw comes in for me personally. Okay. And Jordan, I'm curious what you, have, what, what you think about this. But like for this movie to really work, at the end, you can forgive all these crimes. Yes, it has the dancing. So it's like, fundamentally, it works because it has the dancing. The dancing is good. The water dancing at the end is incredible. Channing Tatum is just like, I want to dance in water again. And, you know, <laughs> he got it. And we all can celebrate that. So, like, it, mm -hmm. the movie justifies itself. He That's wanted fine. to step up to the stage. That's right. <laughs> now, I was like, oh, my God, we've entered a step up. Yes, yes. yes. But for this the, is amazing. <laughs> but for, for the movie to really work, in my opinion, um, you have to really buy this love story. Like, that's kind of what the whole thing hinges on. Mm -hmm. um, and you can forgive, like, this incredibly dumb plot uh, if the love story is good. And I never bought it because... Um, Look, guys, I'm not going to get too into detail here. There's nothing weird. I'm just saying I have been in situations before where <laughs> there is a rich benefactor. Wow, Dave. Where a rich benefactor is like paying you so that you'll do something, right? Like that happens with some regular... It's a, it's a very common plot line in movies, and, and I have been in that situation uh, in various permutations of my life. And the relationship is not a, it's, it's never like a good romantic relationship. It's, it's not a good foundation for romance because there is a very clear power dynamic. And also, um, it's not clear to me that like this, per, this woman is reasonable. Like people are actually bringing up to her like, Hey, um, maybe you should shut down this like extremely successful play to get revenge on your husband for one night and possibly endanger your inheritance and all this stuff like that. And so it's like, there's a at, at that rain scene when like Channing Tatum confronts her, he's like, you know, don't let this be the end. You are so good at this. And it's like, really? Like, all I've seen is her like make all these like random demands that are just based on, you know, gut feeling and, you know, with is no that experience. Is not just being a stuff. producer, Dave? <laughs> <laughs> we all know producers. Yeah, that, that's, that's fine. That's fine. I, I'm not saying it's unrealistic. I'm just saying for me to believe that it's like uh -huh. she's really good at this and that they have a really good working relationship. Like, all I saw was them screaming at each other a lot. Mm -hmm. And I don't feel like that, you know, I didn't feel like this is like a collaboration of intellectual yeah. equals. We need going to spend more way, time you know? with yeah. them together. I feel like yeah. that was yeah. the main thing. Yeah. yeah. You know that this entire movie lifted its plot from season one of Ted Lasso, right? Mm. <laughs> I've I've not watched Ted Lasso. I well, like that. No, but she gets brought in to run this thing as a as yeah. a as a lark to get back at her husband because yeah. she got the soccer team in the divorce. It's literally exactly the same yeah, thing. Yeah, but she in Ted Lasso she wanted the soccer team to fail though. You know, in yeah. this one she yeah. doesn't she doesn't want to fail. Quote unquote. She wants I mean, that's to also like, like that's like major league. Also, like yes. the rich woman gets the team. Yes. And yeah. Like that's a that's a thing that happens too. I actually did like it was it's you know it was from pure star star power and chemistry i bought into salma mm -hmm. hayek and channing tatum i did um there i absolutely what i wanted in because we couldn't have like the guys together again what i really wanted was like i really liked by the end of the movie how it seemed like there was this fun little unit between 
the footman and the daughter and um, Mike. And it was like, oh, I wish we had spent the movie actually watching that develop. Mm -hmm. I would have loved it if the kind of like, if that little family tribe had become a fun little motley crew, I think that would have filled in the emotional gaps that I miss from having all the guys together. I wish we had been able, that's really the one thing I wish we had been able to sell, like forge. Yeah. That's more the real fully. power of dance. Cause it was, yeah, I mean, but yeah. beyond the power of dance, <laughs> yeah, you know, Jordan, I, I, I don't know if you're, more I don't know if you're aware of acknowledgements of like their, <laughs> their burgeoning affection for one another. Um, because Channing Tatum like is so good at selling that like winking charm, like in just like those brief interactions, like where he's at sort of the breakfast bar with the daughter and they're talking. I was like, yeah, this guy's going to charm her. She's going to give in to him. He's going to be like, listen, you're smarter than I am. But like I, on the power of smolder, I completely bought in to Selma and Channing. So by the end of it, I was like, you know, I am actually totally sold on them. We could have filled this out more, but because these two Mm -hmm. are, are so dynamic in this particular mode, they actually, they did the magic work. Yeah. They, I think, kind of cast the spell over the movie that it did need. I I didn't think that at all. The, 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 the notion that he falls for her came as a shock to me. Because at one point the little movie just says it. The daughter is like, "So why do you love her so much?" And I was like, "Oh, he don't." And he's like, "Oh, I don't know." I was like, "Well, he do." At that point, I was just like, "I mean, he would because like he 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 asserts so many times over and over. Like the very start, he's like, "I'm not going to take your six thousand little and your sixty thousand after the dance turns into them sleeping because he's not a prostitute." Yeah, well, well, but if he was a sex worker, that would be fine. Take take cash for sex, that's okay. Like he 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 repeatedly could be like, "Listen, like I got I got friends to pay back. That's also important to me." Like we learn over and over again, they very kind of like push in front of us hard. Like Mike's not going to take the money. So he really could leave at any time. He's into this woman. And they, they, again, this could have been filled out better in the story, Mm -hmm. but like I, based on the, the, the telling and not showing that they did for me, it wasn't the most artful way to do it, but based on the telling and not showing by the time we got to the point, I was like, yeah, I know he's in love with her. I've been totally in love with her. And the way that they look each other at that dinner that covered a lot of ground for me. And I actually I, thought I the, like the scene yeah. in the cab was really well handled with her getting loosey goosey and, and tipsy and <laughs> then like kissing him and him being like, I just want to make sure when she had established, like we're not going to be sexually yes. involved throughout the time of this. I actually thought that played very well. Yeah. That played for very for well me, though. like it, it is chemistry. Like it is one of those yeah. things. Um, we talked about the first movie where I would describe that relationship as anti-chemistry, Gosh. you know, like, Black hole of chemistry. <laughs> this is just like, oh, Tough you stuff. put two of the most beautiful people on earth together. You have them do a sexy dance for five minutes. Yeah. Okay. Sama Hayek, you, you tell me to come to London to do whatever I want for a show. Yeah. I'm in love with you now. Sama True Hayek. life. Yeah. True life right there. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, I got I, the easiest I, sell of all time. <laughs> Here's the thing, Jeff. I uh, agree with you that it's not on the page, but I got to agree that these two have really great chemistry and that goes a long way in a movie like this, you know? I, I, I don't, I, I think they had great chemistry in that in that first scene, and but the movie constantly has to tell you, she constantly says, that dance really opened something yeah. up in me. I was like, hey, maybe show that instead of just say it. It's, mm-hmm. it's ridiculous. My other big qualm with this movie, <laughs> where it just fundamentally fails from a plot perspective, to me, is, uh, I mean, literally every, every note it, to me is a failure, but the, the notion that the thing they actually put on is transgressive or daring in any way. I have seen half a dozen shows in a theater just like that, that are easily as provocative or sexy. The dancing, like if they had actually put on a Dallas 
McConaughey style strip show in that theater, it may have felt transgressive. It may have felt like a a, a statement of doing you know doing something in, in, in you know that's discordant with the atmosphere. Nothing that they put on. I mean, it's like any review you would go see in London. It's it's like there's nothing out of the ordinary about it other than they went there to see a a play, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that I, I think what what it was interesting. I I appreciated this over the course of it. Um, just really being really sort of sitting in awe of the the power of Channing Tatum on screen, particularly in this franchise, where you so feel the absence of him in motion and in his dancing between between his big opener and the big closer in the water that it was like wow it's so amazing that all of these guys who are so talented they're doing remarkable things like never that it is it is is very like not even connected to sex to sex uh often which is quite funny to me um but it was like wow it's so amazing watching these guys who are just accomplished these incredible feats and they're not nearly as watchable as Channing Tatum. Mm-hmm. Like just mm-hmm. to be re- so, st- even when there are there are scenes that are filmed to romanticize each one of these dancers when they get their moments individually, it just I was I walked out of the movie more impressed actually than I even was before by Channing Tatum. Just seeing the absolute energy sucking ability that he has to draw your eyes on the screen in his two numbers. I was like, man, what a bummer for everyone in this movie that but isn't, isn't Channing Tatum. Isn't that a bad thing Holy for the movie? Because we well, spend I mean, a lot of time with not Channing Tatum. Of, it, it, it has the... It has the unfortunate effect of being like, it would be cool if every one of these dance numbers was Channing Tatum. But it also like, I because I just like at that point, it decided like, I like this. Uh, I was just like, man... What an incredible testament to the shocking screen presence of Shannon Tatum to know how much I I missed him at every moment I wasn't watching him dancing, but, even when I was watching Incredible Dance. But like, did you feel Twitch that in the second like movie? The only man in this entire, you know, rest in peace Twitch was the only other man in, in these three movies that has been able to put on a dancing spectacle that was as passionate and compelling as Channing Tatum was. And they did it in tandem in magic Mike XXL. So like, but Channing, I mean, he really stands alone. I mean, he's not the best dancer in the world, but he might be the best dancer for a movie in the world. Can I just say that I actually shout out to that Italian guy. I think he was from oh, Rome or something. Okay. So there's wow. this, there's this guy where like Selma Hayek's like, Hey, I found this guy on my phone. Like we got to get him in. And then they bring him in and then he does a dance like that too. That scene where he dances for her felt to me almost like the thesis for the movie, which is like, mm-hmm. what if we could do like a stage version of what you saw in the first two movies, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought it was really, really beautifully. Uh, it's it's so. devoid of sex appeal, in my opinion. Mm. It's devoid of eroticism. Hmm. It's 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 a demonstration of incredibly amazing dance and athleticism and beauty yeah. and grace. But there's no uh, there's no I want to put a dollar in your pants. <laughs> not a, yeah. not a not a second of that. The yeah. other thing is, you know, I'm not going to come at uh, any particular actor, but. Uh, the woman who transforms into our MC for the final show needs to be aware that she's going to be compared to Jada Pinkett Smith. I mean, that's just real unfortunate. <laughs> like to, to come in the, sh- everybody yeah. is going to exist in the shadow of Rome. I think that's a definitive <laughs> Jada Pinkett Smith performance. Mm-hmm. She like, stole me somehow. I mean, and nobody can be faulted for me to me for not being Jada Pinkett Smith as Rome. Well, our bisexual icon. 
don't literally do the same thing. Like, yeah. if you understand that Jadis Pinkett Smith's going to cast that kind of shadow on the exact same kind of role in the, in the don't do it. Be smart <laughs> enough as a movie to go, oh, maybe this will feel less than in comparison because it does, in my opinion. Sorry. Well, Je uh, Je you know, <laughs> Jeff doesn't always get this passionate about movies, but I think yeah. I think you, you here, here's what I think. Here's what I interpret Jeff's reaction as is a testament to how good Magic Mike XXL was. Right. I think at the end of the day, that is truly a movie that did not get its due. It was really not very well reviewed. It did worse than the first film and now is widely hailed as a masterpiece. But uh, I think I think I think there was that was one of those ones where it seemed like there was an apparent uh, an apparent divergence between audience reception and that institutional reception yeah. at the time where like, I didn't hear a word about Magic Mike XXL that wasn't like, holy shit, this is so good. Like from the masses, from the audience mm -hmm, score, mm -hmm. I do feel like that movie from the people, anybody who saw yeah. it, whose job was not to review it professionally, it did seem to be that that was like, oh yeah, that movie Bucks. that movie is so much fun like i didn't know a single person who wasn't like put the poster on my wall i think that was like the proletariat i did think i do think spoke <laughs> yeah. accurately the to people, that movie at the, the time people of were right for mm -hmm. that uh you you were mentioning like how that those some of these dances didn't sound very or didn't seem very erotic jeff have to say though i think this movie has a sense of eroticism, like from the first dance and certainly the last stuff, and even even the like conversations between Selma Hayek oh. and Shane Tien. Like, I think that car ride is is pretty great. Actually, it reminded me almost of like not not to like compare it to like an incredible movie, but like before Sunset. You know, car rides between couples where the emotions aren't quite there and things are kind of volatile. I think are really interesting. Um, th that was kind of on that level for me. Soderbergh has talked about like it is weird that we're in a we're we're in a very sexless world right now. He like he's kind of railed against that in the MCU movies. I had to sit and watch a lot of like Twitter threads this weekend <laughs> about people saying, "Thank God this person doesn't want to do sex scenes." And I had to, I almost want to like leave this planet because I'm like, guys, yes, some sex scenes can be gratuitous. That does not mean they're all gratuitous. They can serve narrative functions. A, a movie can just be kind of erotic and kind of hot. And I think this movie, at least maybe not in the same way as the others, this one at least has that vibe. There was a sense of eroticism here that I don't feel in a lot of movies these days. I know, I know I said I would shut up and I haven't. Yeah, I, you, I, you, I, will, I will acknowledge that. Yeah. I will acknowledge that. So the audience, save your emails to me. <laughs> I will say, I think now I love Selma Hayek. She's incredible. Simply mm -hmm. does not wane. Period. Yeah, there is no but, right? There's no but. There is no but. There is no but. But. I think. I'm going to not talk much. There is no but. But. Hey, I own it. I own my hypocrisy. Um, I think this movie is more the movie I want to see if it's about Channing Tatum meeting that chick he does the dance with at the end. Because then. <laughs> The dance at the end is freaking amazing because we know who that is. We care who that is. She's not some random ballerina that he calls up in the middle of the day. It's she was the Swan Lake ballerina that gets railroaded by no. the cancellation of the play. And then you see her again and you're like, oh, shit, she got a new job and it's being sexy with Channing Tatum. Yes, but that should be the culmin. Like the, having some hike just sit and watch him be hot with some other woman does not to me feel like the romantic crescendo uh, of a movie. Whereas being awesome and hot and sexy, oh, I don't know, like 
both of the other Magic Mike movies where his love interest is the person he's super hot and sexy with on stage at the end of the movie. That's well, what I'm saying. That, I, I'll, st- would, I'll stop it talking. It would be, I, I just, I, 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 I think, I don't know. I think Maxandra, I think she's what down with mean? it. What I think mean? Maxandra, I think maybe Maxandra likes to watch a, yeah. a, a tribute to her passion <laughs> she, with yeah. Magic Mike, a timeline of their passion. Or, or, I love it. And it's like a Saw movie where it's like, let's show you the movie in 90 seconds to remind <laughs> you what happened. Yeah. And we get like their greatest hits throughout the movie. Awesome. It was it was sexy the first but, time. But, show me but, again. Okay. I, I can't believe you're fucking making me defend this movie, Jeff. But here, here we are. I mean, <laughs> I, 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 I mean, I mean, I mean, yeah. the point of the whole movie is... Maxandra is drawing out Max's storytelling abilities and his ability to like direct and and create this theater show, right? She's so, like, give me something real. Be, so, be vulnerable. Be honest. Yeah. So yes, I think it's a little bit random that it's with another woman at the end. Like I, I, I also was a little bit distracted by that. But at the end of the day, thematically, it fits in with the story, which is it's not like, hey, I want to do the sexy dance with Selma Hayek. The sexy dancing with Selma Hayek is at the beginning and it's going to happen after the movie. The da- yeah. sexy dance. The sexy yeah. dance at the end of the movie is about Channing Tatum finally figuring out what the ending of the show is going to be, which is like, this is hey, this is me telling the story of us via this format that you've encouraged me to invest in, right? Okay. So you can give one of yeah. the great lines of the movie. I need a plumber and a ballerina, and then that's we just leave line. that and go. Yeah. Good yeah, that's a good. And line. you're yeah. like, that's a good line. Hey, God, I'm going to get what I saw in the trailer. So, I yeah. actually thought uh, halfway through this movie, I was like, is this movie going to have the absolute gall? To have Magic Mike's actual last dance be the first five minutes of this movie, like is like, he never yeah. gonna dance again in this movie? Because that would be sick. The other, the, the other quick thing is, you know, you talk about him like becoming a great director. Mm. I will just say, <laughs> as someone who has been in many, many, many stage plays and mm. has been directed by many, many, many yes. directors, if any director did what he does in this movie, which is, no, 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 do it like this. Literally just acts out what you're supposed to do. That is rule number one of directing: is don't fucking do that. Well, I don't think do director that. is the best at. <laughs> well, yeah, that I don't know what it's like yeah. for dance though. Yeah. Yeah, 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 I think it might be different for dance, but I think you yeah. are right. You have a good point, Jeff, which is that like. Uh, I think the the movie is very bad about the making of all of this stuff, in my sure. opinion. Um, it like him making it the last night. You don't see him figuring out how to do it. He doesn't have a scene where he's like writing or figuring out. I wanted to have this and this. It's not a good making of behind the scenes process movie at all. Right? <laughs> and that's a shame. That's a shame because there's a real opportunity. Like. That is theoretically the motivation behind making the movie from Steven Soderbergh. He's like, I saw Channing Tatum and Alison Falk making this stage show, and I wanted to capture that magic. And I'm like, I don't think you captured it, Steven. I'm sorry. Like, it didn't. <laughs> right. It didn't capture right. like what it is like. You know, J- Jeff, you and I have been. I don't know about Jordan. I don't know about Devinger, but like, we've been part of like stage shows before. Like, there's an mm-hmm. alchemy of like, oh, we're like running ideas off each other, and like stuff is happening, and like none of that's in the movie, in my opinion. No. Right. So, Correct. but well, but I, I, there is. I, I, I don't think that. I don't think we like. I, I don't think we're really we're really meant to be truly sincerely sold on like she's a great producer, a great director. He's a wife guy, and she's in, in love with him. Like it, 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 they just like they just are so into each other that they're like, you're the best thing that's ever happened to anything, right? That's Good for really, them. That's it. It, Good it, for it, them. It and like, I don't know yeah. that anybody in nobody in that room says like you're the best director I've ever worked with, Mike. They're just like 
really happy. Like he's just making them happy. They're having fun together. Like, and I think that's just, and and even when the actress comes in from the play who ends up being the Rome stand in, in this movie, like she's just like, wants to be dick down. Like that's like her whole motivation is like, (laughs) I like, I'm so tired of the Regency. Like, can we do something fun? Like I want to burn this theater down. And it's just like, they're just having a good time. I don't, Mm -hmm. I didn't think at any point that anybody was like this luminary. What my, the funniest thing to me about this movie is that it's all for it's like for one night like she's i love this like at one night and then they both just end up like sexy broke people like yeah. all of it was for just like a night to, to, to ruin her to life. each other and to fall in love it was that, like oh just a single night huh well, that's okay. the funniest bit about this movie is that oh i'm broke now because broke I, now. I have i have like violated the you know yeah good the clause in my in my marriage contract so yeah that's kind of hilarious and then the movie this is just getting ends. taken away from me yes. keys are being handed over tonight to the yes. authorities <laughs> and then the movie just ends we're like okay <laughs> well i guess they're happy okay. yeah <laughs> all right happy and like i loved and like the daughter's gonna continue being rich because she's the daughter she'll mm-hmm. go live with dad or something um and they're just gonna be babes together and okay cool he'll build some furniture she'll be hot like It'll work out. It'll work it out for people. It's never worked started. out for them before, though. It yeah. ends mostly where it started. <laughs> it, which does, it hasn't worked out the multiple times uh, it's happened to I mean, Florida he Magic. He started Mark. his own business. <laughs> he, he's been he, he's done better than his friends for sure. <laughs> I mean, I do <laughs> I do have to say business. that like going from Cody Horn to Amber Heard to um, Selma Hayek is like a pretty incredible arc for Magic Mike. Amazing. Um, in three I mean, and he had Jada Pinkett Smith in there in the yeah, pre- in prehistory. The, yeah, in the prehistory. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, uh, anyway, there's also a. Uh, you just have to shout out. You know, for all this movie's faults, and I believe I have enumerated as many as I can. It does have a sick Magic Mike pun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, mm-hmm. it does. Shout it out does. to that. I wanted to point to the screen Leo mode when they said "Last Dance" and also "Magic Mike." <laughs> this Magic Mike. <laughs> ding 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 ding. Mm. I want to use this magic mic to yeah. talk to your folks. And I'm like, literally no one in that audience is getting that reference. That no, that's amazing. for us. That's for, uh, that's for yeah. the folks that at was home. Good. That was good. That was good. All right, that, folks. I, God, that yeah. water dance, you guys, like truly, like I that need was to rewatch so that. good. I need to rewatch like that. watching yeah. him, I want to see every minute of footage that they have of that to see if he nailed that slide move mm-hmm. every time or if he ever <laughs> fell on his ass because every I was I was hypnotized and like the the effect of like him swinging her and the sliding around the water I was like this is actually remarkable yeah. I am so I'm in love with this woman I don't know her I just met her this is amazing like I I was I was moved uh it was that it, that in the Salma dance like Listen, if if Magic Mike's last dance can only only exists for putting those two dances in the canon of Magic Mike, then this movie was then this movie, I feel like, was worth it Mm -hmm. in totality, even as someone who enjoyed the whole thing. I wouldn't argue with that take. I wouldn't argue with that. The the moment I'm I'm telling you, the first 10 minutes of this movie, I was like, this is going to be with the part where he she's like, I will pay you to do it. And he starts he starts like moving shit around. And he's like, I don't know if you know what you bought. (laughs) I'm going to give it to you anyway. I was like, oh, yes, Magic Mike. (laughs) Yes, Magic Mike. He doesn't need to stretch. They're going to get destroyed by your thrusting. (laughs) (laughs) It feels almost like it feels like. It feels like this movie is kind of what everyone based on the concept in the trailer probably thought first Magic Mike was going to be mm-hmm, like just mm-hmm. this lark, just like whereas like it was it was dark and it, it led to like what became a franchise and it became a sort of surprising success. And it feels like this movie 
was the outcome that was more likely for what a the Magic Mike movie was going to be. It just ends up being the button on it. It mm-hmm. just ends up being the third. So I, I was like, huh, we just sort of like went in a strange order for how these movies feel in quality. All right, folks. Well, I think that is a great place to end it. Uh, but at the end of the day, despite everything that me and Jeff said, <laughs> it's really impressive that Steven Soderbergh made a movie. A sexy uh, movie. Indeed. I feel like indeed. you did not agree with me enough, Dave. You said you didn't agree with me. And you disagreed with me mm-hmm. constantly. If only somebody would say Jeff's points. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I wouldn't have to talk. If only Jeff, Jeff have to sell the Hayek for being eternal. Like, yeah. can't yeah. say it enough, can't can't honor it enough. Shouts out to Salma Hayek for being eternal. And my God, Channing Tatum, I don't know what, what witch you made a deal with. But Wait, was that an, it was, that an off. E- was that an Eternals reference, was, Jordan? Just sure. Said? That sure. the crazy thing about the Eternals was like, how am I not even like, how is Angelina Jolie so magnificent that I'm not even looking at Salma Hayek right now? Like, just I so longed for movie star Angelina Jolie, which we haven't seen in so long. I feel neither here nor there about the Eternals, but just give me give me any minute you have of Madang Siak with Angelina Jolie, and I will be a happy little camper. <laughs> All right, folks, that's going to bring us to the end of this week's episode of the Filmcast. You can find more episodes of this podcast at thefilmcast.com. Email us at slashfilmcast at gmail.com. Our theme song comes courtesy of Tim McCune from The Midnight. Check out his band, Varsity Blue. Our spoiler bumper comes from filmmaker and YouTuber Kyle Corwith. Our weekly plugs music comes from Noah Ross. This episode was edited by me, David Chen. On the After Dark next week, we're going to be talking about Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Look forward to that and subscribe to us at patreon.com slash filmpodcast to get that conversation. And of course, next week's review is going to be Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania. I am looking forward to this with great trepidation. That's all I'm going to say about it. Uh, but until then, uh, Jordan Cruciola is a writer whose work has appeared at Vulture and Wired Magazine. She's also the host of the Feeling Scene podcast on Maximum Fun. Jordan, thank you so much again for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. And uh, I, I'm glad I got to have this polarizing conversation about yes. Magic Mike's last dance with you guys. Mm-hmm. Yes, we really appreciate uh, Jordan joining us. Um, be sure to check out her work over at the Feeling Scene podcast and wherever she's writing around the internet. And we'll see you next week here on the Filmcast. <laughs>